0: Hello and welcome to Bingeworthy, a show that in the age of streaming and too much content will tell you, the listener, what shows are worth your time and attention, hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo, and editor-in-chief of the playlist, Rodrigo Perez. Yet again, Rodrigo is bogged down playing catch-up with Everything Can Film Festival and the other items that are popping up left and right. So this week, you get me solo again. Hello, welcome. Today, I get to talk about one of my favorite little sci-fi dramas this year, which is Night Sky. Uh, The show begins by following Franklin and Irene York, played by J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek, as a couple who years ago discover a chamber buried in their backyard which inexplicably leads to a strange and seemingly deserted planet. The show premiered its entire first season on Prime Video last week, so you can binge the whole eight episodes like I did over a month ago. After I run down my thoughts, writer-creator Holden Miller and writer-executive producer Daniel C. Connolly stopped by to discuss the show. Okay, so first off, if you liked another Prime Video drama with a sci-fi tinge by the name of Outer Range, I think this one will fill that slow-burn character drama with a sci-fi spin hole left behind in that show's wake. And I did mention Hole on Purpose. First off, J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek are absolutely outstanding in this show. Rarely do you get a show that led, you know, initially by characters that are retirees and have to follow those characters and be fleshed out and raw and as human as the Yorks are. And there's a little cocoon in there, there's a little contact, there's a little indie character drama. So it's not necessarily hard sci-fi, so I could see those fans being a little frustrated by it and the slower nature of it, but if you're a fan of good character dramas with a hint of sci-fi, I think this one's really for you. Uh, It's got great directors on board like Philip Martin from The Crown and Juan Jose Campanella uh, of The Secret in Their Eyes. And as more characters are introduced and weave their way into the overarching plot, things get really thrilling and interesting. And if you like a cliffhanger, oh boy, do they leave you one. Um, I really hope this pops enough for season two because it could really start to delve into the larger world that's being set up here literally and figuratively. Uh, Okay, so before we get to our chat, I've got to tell you that Bingeworthy is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, The Discourse, which I'm also a part of both of those, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. It can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating or anything as we greatly do appreciate it. Okay, let's teleport on over to my conversation with writer-creator Holden Miller and writer-executive producer Daniel C. Connolly. Holden, Daniel, how are you guys? doing well. How are you, Mike? Thank you for giving me your time today, guys. I loved Night Sky, like really, really loved this. So let's start at the beginning. Where did this story start? I feel like, Holden, this was your baby, right?
2: Uh, Yeah, it, it certainly started out that way. You know, it was a I can think definition of a passion project for me, it was something that I just was writing. I wrote the pilot script about five and a half years ago now. And um, it was something that I was writing in my spare time and weekends and what have you, just because I just felt like I needed to, to get it out. And it was kind of only after that I thought, I wonder if maybe perhaps someone else would like to read this as well. Hmm. Um, and the time that I was writing it, uh, I, was, I was spending a lot of time with my grandparents. I think that's really where the idea started. Um, they were in their 80s at that point and passing 60 years of marriage. And I, I think the the, the the seeds of the story came from observing their experience with aging and and their relationship. And that's really what made me want to tell this story. the characters of Franklin and Irene, as they ended up on the page on screen, are very, very different from them. But certainly the themes of the show and the central idea of following this relationship and watching these people as they grapple with the bigger questions of life, like, why are we here Uh What does it all add up to? What does it mean to share your life with another person? And how do you approach the end of life in a relationship with someone else? And I knew that the story had to be told in this really intimate way that would dug deep into the day-to-day of their life and the nuances of their relationship. But the questions that they were grappling with were so huge, um, and it's the ones that we all do, really, that it felt like it needed this other thing, this other element to access those questions in a more present way. And so that's really where the sci-fi or fantasy, whatever you want to call it, element came from, this chamber in their backyard that they can take to this planet and sort of look out and ponder these questions. You know, it was just, it was a way to make the small scale of their story feel as big as it
1: felt to me writing it.
0: Awesome. And Daniel, how did you get involved here? Yeah, I was actually
1: just at a general meeting at Legendary and an executive named Jen Chambers sort of offhandedly as I was leaving said, you know, we've got this script and I really think it's something special here. And like, I don't know, would you ever consider supervising a new writer? And generally my answer to that question is is no, uh, just <laughs> frankly, because uh, I have to, you know, I have my own projects and, and it oftentimes maybe doesn't go anywhere. However, when she told me what the sort of elevator pitch was for, and I was intrigued enough to say, sure, I'll take a look at it. And then within about five or 10 pages into the script, I, I realized that there was something special here. And I think it was just, the characters were so well-crafted and so emotionally engaging right from the get-go. And then you sort of have this five or 10 minutes in as the rug pulled out from under you in terms of what it means to actually go to the stars. Uh, it's so rare to find characters that are that well-crafted and grounded coexisting with a huge sci-fi concept that I I knew I had to sort of get involved and and I saw a pathway sort of for how to build out the show um, that I came to with Holden and and it was a really years-long process of working our way through the system uh, of Hollywood and and getting the pitch right and then selling it to Amazon and then doing another script and then doing a format for what the season was and and ultimately getting a room together writing all the script it really was. There was a lot of hurdles, and, and often all the stars don't align, uh, but they did to get us into into production, uh, which is a whole new, another level, uh, obviously. And but I think you know we came out of it pretty pleased and 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 feeling like the the final product met what our aspirations were. And now we're just excited on on May twentieth <laughs> to share it with the world uh, and hope that people. You know, respond.
0: I can only imagine that if, if people are like me, they'll respond very well. Um, and I love that Amazon's taking these chances on these like character driven dramas with a slight sci fi kind of spin to them. Like you got open range, you got this. I, I like the track record that we're on here where they're really investing in character and in a different way. They're, in, they're coming at it from writers' perspectives that wouldn't necessarily get through the door. Like Holden, uh, your dad's comedian, Dennis Miller, correct? Yes so you've worked in comedy shows yourself but this huge left turn is is this show so you don't have a ton of credits to your name how do you take an idea like this and get in the door at amazon and get them to like believe in you and believe in the project
2: yeah um you know i think part of that comes from uh, you know i was telling you about the speaking about the the birth birth of the project is um as you said I, i had been working on uh the nightly show with larry wilmore uh in new york as a producer and. Um, unfortunately, that show kind of got canceled a little before it, its time. And it was uh, quite a little shocking to all of us working there. And I had been at the time, you know, for a while, knowing that while I, I loved working on that and in some other shows, you know, it was it was a great place to be. I also knew that I wanted to do narrative. I wanted to do drama or sci-fi. It's, as I said, it was what I was doing in my free time. It was the stories that I wanted to tell. And so that was really um, ended up being the push to, to finally, I had sort of collected this little bag of scripts that I had been writing sort of for myself. And that was the moment when I decided to share it with people. And, um, you know, I was just lucky enough to have the opportunity for people to, to see it and and find collaborators that responded to the material in a way that felt like we were on the same page. And, you know, credit to, to Legendary starting off. Um, Jen Chambers is the exec there who really, really fought for the script from the beginning. She just connected with it and, and saw what I was trying to do and you know, really un- helped helped even me under, understand it, and and she was the one that put me in touch with Dan, and you know, it was just such a blessing to find a collaborator who could help build the show into what it is now without losing the essence of what made it special to to start with, which is tough with a story like this, um, especially you know, it, it's so intimate, and how do you how do you kind of grow the scope of it, grow the length of it, and not, not lose that feeling. You know, we've been lucky every, every step of the way since then um, with, with the Amazon really believing in it. And then, you know, whether it's the cast, the directors, the, the crew. I mean, I think we were very particular about just finding people who shared our, our vision for the show. And, and we hope that that showed out on screen.
0: I just love that you're, you're centering it around this retired couple, essentially. You don't get a lot of dramas that are centered around a retired couple. And then you get to have actors like J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek. Obviously, that, that lifts all boats when you get names like that. How long did you have to search for, for Frank and Irene? Or did you have them in mind as soon as like you were casting, like, please, J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek, if at all possible? It's kind of a
1: combination of both. I think for Sissy was certainly in our minds with this character pretty early on. We, we, we saw a pathway to that. And obviously to have someone who you have in mind as you're developing writing to say yes is, is really just a once in a career, maybe opportunity. And then JK, who was busy, who's always busy, you know, I think initially wasn't even available when we were first looking. And then sort of the, the timing of the production changed a little bit. And some other factors changed and, and, and JK was available. And uh, boy, like, you know, it's, he's just this iconic uh, character actor. We just respect his and, and love his work in everything up to this point. And he's a Midwesterner. Uh, and just to have those two come together, it was magical. You know, you never, you never, you know that they're great, but you don't know if they're going to be great together. And then we knew pretty much, again, within a few minutes of turning the camera on and, and starting to watch the scenes, That way you capture maybe something special in a bottle here. And to your other point, like, yes, it boggles my mind personally that there are not more older actors inhabiting lead roles in in, in not only films, but in television. And I think it's an artifact from a different generation and how people think about audiences. From my perspective, the younger people that I have spoken to, just anecdotally, are responding to the show. And, you know, the show is not just about an old couple. Obviously, there's a terrific ensemble cast it really fills out and elevates the show and there's a global aspect to it so there's a lot of access points for an audience into this but uh certainly sissy and jk are the beating heart of it god bless them because we, we couldn't have been luckier
0: and just like even the character like the newcomers you were saying like the character of jude uh played by chai hansen who he's like comes across as this walking raw nerve like the vulnerability in that guy's eyes is amazing how long did it take to find him and how was it working with him
2: I feel the exact same way about his performance and that quality of being so raw emotionally really brought another layer to that character, particularly in the early episodes where he's not, you know, he doesn't have a lot of lines and he's very enigmatic. There is a version of that where that character is really hard to kind of access for the audience, but Chai's performance is so um, was so surprising to us and it really brings something new to the character. And I think that that was, you know, we saw that immediately when we saw his audition and we had really, really great casting directors Um, for the series, who led us to people with great histories and and newcomers and from all over the world. And, um, you know, Chai, uh, who's from Australia, was one of the international auditions that they had pulled for us. And, you know, it was really one of those things where we had seen many, 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 many tapes. And just within a minute of his starting, it was like, okay, let's get this guy in here.
0: (laughs) And then, you know, the, the show has so many disparate elements that are like, there's an expansive world, there's the lore. How long did it take to like, figure that out? Like the right balance of that with the character drama of it all.
1: Whatever we came up with as, as sort of the, the deeper mythology of the show, it, it had to it had to coexist with the humanistic side of the storytelling. And we're we're fans of you know sort of people call it Easter eggs, but you know giving people just enough information and enough grounding to feel as if they're in they're in confident hands of the storyteller, but not to put it on a platter for them. You know, to let the story unfurl in a way where they have to do a little bit of work, but to feel comfortable that they're going to get the answers ultimately. And I think that was sort of our guiding star as we thought about how the sci-fi should work and how the mythology should be answered. But the questions do get answered and the audience will get those answers over the course of the season.
0: And then there's a a lot of extra questions as well, having seen the whole show. Like by the end of the season, it feels like you're peeking through a keyhole into this giant world that could really go anywhere. Like this could be a ton of different stories. Do you have a certain amount of seasons planned out or storyline planned out where you could be like, we could get a certain amount of seasons out of this? Or is it just like, we'll get there when we get there. If we get the thumbs up, then we go.
2: You know, we've been working on the show for a long time and and we've loved making it and love our team. And so naturally we just, we we talk about what what what's to come. I don't know whether we view it in, you know, seasonal format and such in such a way, but we certainly have a lot more of Night Sky that we would love to tell. And we really hope that we get the opportunity
0: to do so. Just looking at this, it's a, it's a kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different things. Were there any touch points or, or films or shows that you were pointing to when you're like, we want this kind of tone or this kind of tone?
1: We didn't really talk a lot about specific shows. Um, you know, we can't help uh, nod to a lot of, a lot of things that we were inspired by just growing up and, you know, whether it's Cocoon or the Spielberg universe, especially the Close Encounters era of very kind of grounded humanistic characters facing this otherworldly sort of challenge. And, and in the modern iteration, you know, iteration of television, Kind of some of the mystery box shows like Lost certainly influenced. Uh, I know Holden, but you know we're also cinema We really love filmmaking, and whether it's the the sci-fi worlds of you know like Tarkovsky, like in Solaris, or or the more grounded sort of humanistic storytelling of some of the more indie filmmakers. Um, You know, where there's, like, Mike Lee, who who kind of creates these these characters that are crafted so beautifully and so realistically. So it was really a marriage of those two elements that kind of were in the
0: back of our mind. You talk about, you know, being cinephiles. This is one of those instances where, I mean... A lot of people say the adult drama has almost completely shifted to TV and this might have been kind of like a quaint little indie feature, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, but now it's, it's very obviously this needs to be like a series. What's your outlook on the current state of film and TV? And do you think you could have done a, a movie version of this or do you even have any interest in, in looking at a story that way right now?
2: We're certainly, as Dan said, we're both cinema lovers, but we do think that there's so much opportunity for storytelling in television right now. And I think that there are certain stories, and this one felt that way to us, where we needed the scope and the length of television to tell it. Um, And it felt like it was characters that people wanted, hopefully want to return to, or at least we wanted to over over hours and hours. And I think, as you said, the, the nature of the story allows for it to to keep going in a way that felt right for television, but besides this show, or just speaking more broadly about the landscape, I certainly feel as though I, I do not think that the 90 minute to two hour movie is dead at all. I, that would be a complete tragedy. I would hate to lose that, and, and of course, the diversity yeah. of cinema. And you know, I uh I spent many a, a day in the, in the film forum watching movies and, and I, I think it's a, it can be a golden age of television and a golden age of movies uh, as well. So I hope, I hope both continue to thrive.
0: So you got to work with uh, director Juan Jose Campanella uh, to kind of set the tone of the show. Daniel, I know you worked with him on Colony. Is that why he was brought on here? Did you have a, a good working relationship back then? And what do you think he brought to kind of setting the tone and developing the series?
1: Yeah, I came away with a really positive impression of Juan from the time we were on Colony. You know, I I think that I was also just a big fan of his film, uh, The Secret of Their Eyes, which was Mm -hmm. just a fantastic uh, Argentine film. And his other work, too. And if you look at his other work, you know, I think there's an abiding interest in that humanistic side of storytelling. And I think as we began to talk about who would be the right directorial voice for this, Juan certainly sprang to mind uh, based on, on those factors. Also, we have this, you know, entire segment of our show which is in Spanish, uh, which is, you know, an unexpected turn, perhaps, uh, in, in the best possible way. And I think that it's a, it has a, another flavor, and it elevates the, the material, um, the global aspect of the show. And so Juan started to be started to feel like the natural first director to sort of set us, uh, up with the right template.
0: Well, for our listeners, Night Sky premieres on Prime Video on Friday, May 20th. Holden, Daniel, I'm genuinely not blowing smoke here. The show is outstanding and I'm going to recommend it to literally everyone I can. And if I don't get more, I'm going to have to write fan fiction. So thanks a ton, guys. <laughs> Give me season two for sure. Thank you, Mike.
2: Thank you so much, Mike. It's so All kind right. of you. It was a pleasure okay. talking to you.